Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Midtown Scholar Bookstore. My name is Alex Brubaker, and I am the manager here at the Scholar. It's a pleasure to welcome you all to the bookstore this evening as we welcome Michael Asialo to Harrisburg. To some, he's the founder of TVLine.com, but he's also written a heartbreaking new memoir that we're going to talk about tonight that is, spoiler alert, The Hero Dies. Uh, before we begin, just some quick housekeeping as always. If you have not yet marked your calendars uh, for the Harrisburg Book Festival this October, please do so. We have brochures floating around the bookstore. They're everywhere, so please take one or two or ten um, and hand them out to friends, family, neighbors. Um, we still have tickets available for our opening keynote with Tayari Jones, uh, which is an event you definitely do not want to miss. So take some brochures and see what events pique your interest uh, for the festival so you can come up uh, to them in less than two weeks. Now on to our main show. It is my pleasure to introduce Michael Asialo to Harrisburg. He is joined on stage by Alex Reber. Alex works in Harrisburg, PA as a senior accountant at Miller Dixon Drake. He has served as the board chair for Planned Parenthood Keystone and currently serves as the elected treasurer for the Pennsylvania Democratic Party. While not reading about politics, he occasionally reads books aloud with his husband, including his all-time favorite book, The Blue Orchard. And of course, spoiler alert, he lives in Millersburg, PA with his husband, Chris Dietz. Michael Asialo is the founder and editor-in-chief of TVLine.com. Asialo began his publishing career in 1997 at Soaps in Depth magazine before moving on to TVGuide.com in 2000, where he debuted his signature spoiler-tinged Ask Asialo column and established himself as a major player in the world of TV journalism. In 2008, he jumped to Entertainment Weekly, where he penned a column in the magazine, as well as an award-winning blog on EW.com, both titled The Asialo Files. He currently splits his time between New York City and Los Angeles. In his new book, Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies, Osiello has penned an unforgettable, inspiring, and beautiful testament to the resilience and strength of true love. Best-selling author Jenny Lawson says that the book is engrossing, poignant, tragic, and hilarious. I couldn't put it down. Read this book. You are welcome. And if that doesn't have your interest piqued, the one and only J.J. Abrams writes that when a journalist as talented as Asialo turns their focus inward, something special is bound to occur. Such is the case with Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. A more heartbreaking, honest, funny, and insightful book on the subject of loss can be found nowhere. And with that, please join me giving a warm Harrisburg welcome to Alex Rebert and Michael Asiello. Hi, everybody. Hello. All right, can you hear me? All right. So we've uh, heard about your background covering soap operas and uh, television shows, and you're used to interviewing Hollywood celebrities. So what is that like, and do you have any interviewing tips for me today? Interviewing tips. Um, <laughs> what is it like? Well, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it, uh, interviewing actors. You know, I used to be a little starstruck and, and nervous about it, and now um, I, I've sort of gotten uh, into a groove, and I've... I have I, what I feel like is a, an interview style, uh, which is sort of like, um, you're not really that cool. Uh, that's sort of my thing. It's like, uh, um, I try to keep some uh, distance between me and the, the, the subject, but it's fun. I, really, to me, it's about having a good time and just asking questions that you're, you are interested in personally and knowing the answer to. Excellent. So uh, since your subject line in work is about uh, you know, the media and, and current uh, interesting things that are happening in uh, television, uh, what's your current favorite television show or actor or actress uh, to interview? Um, current favorite television show. 
um, uh, Killing Eve. Anybody watch Killing Eve on BBC America? It's kind of new. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to think new. New, 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 new. Um, God, this is always such a hard question because there's so much television. It's like I could have easily answered this question like 10 years ago in a second, but there's like 500 programs and it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to pick a, a, a favorite, but I really like Killing Eve um, and, uh, uh, and I still, I'm still obsessed with This Is Us. Uh, I yeah. still love This Is Us. This is us this week. We were so excited it was coming back. We were like, yay. Yeah, I know. Like and it's still good, which is, which yeah. is a relief because these shows come, come back after a hiatus and you, you worry that are, is it still gonna, are they still going to be as good as they were when we last saw them? And This Is Us is pretty, still yeah. pretty good. I usually cry every time. Um, so in the subject line of crying, yeah. so death, I mean, that's a subject that people often try to avoid. Um, it's something that mm. is kind of taboo. We don't really talk about it a lot. Um, and you decided to write a book about it and your experience with it. And can you tell us about your experience writing the book and uh, what role did that play in your healing process? Uh, it made the healing process worse. It was excruciating. People are like, I often get asked, was it therapeutic writing the book? It was not therapeutic, it was torture. This was not an easy experience, uh, yet it was one I felt like I needed to do. I was given this opportunity to tell a story that I thought was really special and also to introduce people to Kit. Um, and I had to do it. So I just sort of, you know, you know, every day it was just sort of gearing myself up. Not, well, not every day. I only wrote on weekends because I have a full-time job, so I couldn't, I couldn't work on the book during the week. But every, every weekend it was, like, it was a lot to sort of gear up for the, the work ahead because it was just going to be emotionally fraught. Um, even the happy stuff in the book, even the silly stuff was, was hard, you know, because I was still grieving and mourning. Um, but uh, I'm finding that this experience in, is, is, it feels healing and therapeutic, seeing the reaction to the book and meeting people um, and you know, hearing them say how much they love Kit and uh, how much they fell in love with this story. That, feel, that feels good. It makes me feel like it was worth all the, the blood, sweat, and tears. So if you haven't read the book yet, um, which I'm assuming a lot of you might not have, at this point. Well, why do you say that? It's <laughs> well, been out for a year. <laughs> Everybody here yeah, better damn well have read this book. <laughs> so or lie if you didn't. <laughs> so if you haven't read the book yet, um, there's kind of a bunch of Facebook posts as, you know, Kit gets diagnosed with cancer and then you start using, you know, you share stories through social media and that's how you communicate with the world. And so you did a series of Facebook posts kind of you know, explaining what was happening to yeah. keep the world updated. And I think social media can be helpful at times like that because you can just announce it to the world and then you feel like you don't have to explain every little beast to everyone all the time. Um, and so that kind of, can you talk about the process of how those Facebook posts kind of then turned into creating a story and turning it into a book? So Kit was an extremely personal person. Um, he, uh, when he first was diagnosed, he, um, it wasn't something he really wanted to broadcast to the world. Um, but I had uh, a friend of mine, Jeff Jensen, who I worked with at Entertainment Weekly, 
his wife uh, was battling cancer, and this was before Kit was diagnosed, and he decided to, they decided to chronicle their, what they were going through on Facebook. Um, and I found it incredibly moving and uh, on, a, on a number of levels, uh, but I also saw it as a, a way for them to sort of communicate to their friends and loved ones what was happening uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a simpler way versus, you know, talking about I saw this and I, and I pitched it to, to Kid. I, I said after, after he got sick, I was like, would you be open to me sharing this? You know, and obviously he, you can read all the Facebook posts first, but I think there, there might be something that we can gain from this and the support that we might be able to get out of it. And also I, I think it's just be a nice thing for the friends and family to, to keep them updated on what was happening. So uh, he, he agreed to it, and so you know every couple of weeks we would post something. Sometimes it was good news, sometimes it was bad news. The bad news was always really hard to put out there. Um, and you know we, now I would attempt in some ways to sugarcoat some things a little bit, so all the posts, even, even the ones that were felt dire, I always found a way to give it some hope um, and in some kind of hopeful note. So after Kit died, uh, an editor at Simon & Schuster uh, had been following these posts and approached me three months after Kit died and said, we, I think there's a story here just based on these Facebook posts. Would you be interested in, in telling the story? Um, and then and that's sort of how it came about. And then the Facebook post became sort of just in, woven throughout the story. So you'll see, you'll see sort of what we told our friends and family as it was happening. At the same time, you see what actually was really happening. And it wasn't like there was, there was that much of a difference. But there, there was, a, you know, you could see that we always tried to put, as I said, a hopeful spin on it. Sure. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about your writing style is that you didn't really sugarcoat things in the book. Maybe you did that in the, in the Facebook post. But um, I'm a very kind of direct person and very yeah. open and like, this is my life. You can. You can take it. And I think you really shared and opened up in the book about the positives and your relationship in the beginning and the you know all those things, as well as some of the negative. And mm -hmm. what was it? Was it hard for you to share different details about you know your intimate personal life, or was that all part of the process? It was hard for me to share intimate details about about Kit, not about me. Like yeah. I, for whatever reason, I I found it incredibly freeing to talk about you know, my shit and my baggage and just to sort of get it out there. Uh, a lot of stuff that I, I, I felt shame about. It would, it would just, it would, you know, I found myself, it, it was much easier to write about it than actually to sit across from someone and tell someone um, some of the things that, some of, some of the stuff that I, my baggage. Um, but it was harder to decide what about Kit should go in the book because he wasn't here to consult, you know, and so that I, that was painstaking in, in many ways. But I felt at the end of the day um, that one of the things I loved that I wanted to get across from this book was just letting go of shame, um, and uh, and also I felt like if people were going to, you know, really get to know Kit, they needed to know. The warts and all, and and me too, you know, and and I I know, and the stories that move me are the ones that feel real, and you can tell when something is being sugarcoated, uh, 
and that, and that and we had our ups and downs. We had, the relationship was not an easy one. Um, the cancer battle was not an easy one. Um, it felt important to to include the ups and the downs. So as you go through the healthcare process and things, um, you talk about your experience with the healthcare system. Uh, when you're talking about the personal things, one of the things that, not humorous in any way, shape, or form, but you know, the, the cancer that, that Kit had was, you know, it was uncomfortable for him to sit and, and, and different things yeah. at times. And so you had to talk about a story where you had to advocate that, no, he cannot be in a chair. He needs to be lying down to do this because otherwise he will be in excruciating pain. Yeah. So, so what were your experiences advocating in the healthcare system as an advocate? And, you know, especially be, was it any different because you were LGBT or did you feel you were treated differently by the healthcare system? So it was ex extremely challenging because Kit's cancer was very rare. Um, it was in his rectum. And it was because the size of the tumor was so big and the pain was so, it was like, it was, even Sloan Kettering in New York City didn't quite know how to deal with this type of cancer. Um, I found myself having to constantly remind them that while there may have been patients in the past who have had cancer like this who have been able to sit down um, or even walk at times, th this is not kids' situation. So I, I, in many ways, ways, felt myself having to remind nurses, and in some cases, doctors, of what the situation is here um, and the help that he needed, which was frustrating. It's frustrating to not feel like you can trust the experts to know what's best for your husband. Um, and I still have a lot of anger about mistakes that were made um, painful situations that could have been avoided. I talk about one of them in the book. Um, we, you know, we lived in a brownstone in New York City on the top floor, third floor, and uh, one of the lowest parts of the, the 11 months that Kit was sick was the night that he had to be taken out of the brownstone um, and taken to the hospital uh, and because he couldn't walk and because he couldn't sit, it limited the options of how he was gonna get out of the house. So uh, it was just a terrifying, they ended up putting him on a stretcher, but trying to wind him around these extremely narrow stairs down um, a walk up, it was, it was horrifying for him. It was just the whole experience was a nightmare. And, um, and you can see during that process, my interaction with the medical staff and how how they were just so out of their element and not knowing what to do and how to care for him or how to deal with this very specific situation. Um, I don't know, did that answer your question? It did. Okay. Um, one of my favorite characters in the book, which is a real character, is uh, your cat, Mr. Scooch. Mm. Um, so uh, one of the most moving passages for me, my husband and I were driving to Knoebels, uh, to go to an amusement park, and we're reading. I'm reading the book to Does him. Does everybody know Knoebels? Like, is that something you can say <laughs> here, and everybody yeah, knows Knoebels? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Okay, yeah. so no, because so. um, Kit, I never knew what Knoebels. I grew up in New Jersey, and one, you know, one of the many things that Kit introduced me to during our 13 years together was Knoebels, um, and he, you know, I remember him talking about it before we actually went, and how much he loved it and how much it felt like a time capsule to him. And it was like, if, you know, 
he doesn't, he's not a big, he, he's not a big fan of things being modernized. You know, he likes things just the way they are. And, he, and, and then he took me to Knobles and I, and I got it instantly. It just felt like the, the, the biggest throwback and the, you know, the biggest of like, this is, this is what a theme park was probably like 50 years ago. Um, it just felt so innocent and, and sweet in, in the rides. And, and he was so happy at Knobles. Every time we went, he was so happy. Um, our favorite thing was taking the ski lift thing. Yeah. I, well, it's not a ski, the sky mover thing that goes yeah. up the mountain and down the mountain. That was our favorite thing to do. And we did it every time, multiple times. <laughs> um, and it, it was just, that was one, really one of the special, most special things he introduced me to. I will never go back to it ever. It's too emotionally triggering for me. I see a sign on the, the freeway coming here and I, you know, break down. Uh, so I'll never be able to go back. Some of my some of my happiest memories for him, with him, were at Knobles. Wow. Well, that's great. Um, so I should be the spokesperson for Knobles. <laughs> anybody, anybody know if they're looking for a spokesperson? It's actually owned by uh, Hershey Entertainment Resort, so right really? down the street. Yeah. So uh, there was a also wasn't the one that I'm sorry wasn't the, there was a big the rains like a couple years ago where it was yeah. all flooded and so they had all this debt. This this year. Oh, this year again too. Bad, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Anyway, I hope I hope nothing happens to it. So we're driving the car and we're reading this, yeah. and so back to Mr. Scooch, and you're talking right at the end of life, and you know, Mr. Scooch crawls up and, and gets comfortable with Kit, kind of to say goodbye at the end, and I'm just like pouring down in tears as I'm reading this as I'm driving, and I'm like, oh great, I now need to like go to this event where I'm gonna know people at Knobles, mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, oh, it like wow. bawled my eyes out at the end of the book. So make sure you were at home when you finish the book, because it's a real tearjerker. The but book is funny too, people. <laughs> it's so funny. I it's feel so like funny. this needs to point out it's sorry, really sorry. funny. You're gonna laugh just as much as you're gonna cry, maybe more. You you're gonna laugh in the middle of crying, hopefully. Um, I mean, and that's one of the things that that the book really captures the sense of humor that Kit and I had, yeah. which was a very dark, sort of, you know. In inappropriate sense of humor, like inappropriate. We are like constantly saying the the things you're not supposed to say in certain situations, and that includes death. Um, and and in, in many ways, I feel like Kit was really well suited to go through something like this because his sense of humor was just he he was just he, the jokes just came flying left and right, you know. And even having a tumor in his ass, the jokes that he made to to doctors and nurses about that, it was. You know, it was a, it was like it was a gift to me, and it was just, uh, it was really, our, the sense of humor thing was such a big part of our relationship, um, and and I tried to sort of capture that in the book. And, and it's it's very funny. Um, there's also a, a great conversation I have to ask you about your love of Smurfs. So that is also very well documented. Yeah, the Smurf. I'm an adult Smurf collector. My name is Michael, and I'm an adult Smurf collector. <laughs> Oh my God, that feels so good. <laughs> um, it was the first obstacle that Kit and I faced in our relationship. He found out about this and it was almost the end of us. Uh, literally, it was he, about a month or two into our, us dating, he, came into, he, he finally came to my apartment in Bloomfield because I was hiding it from him. And he walks in and he just sees Smurf figurines everywhere. And he had a little bit of an emotional breakdown. Like he was like, I need some time by myself in this apartment to fully <laughs> grasp what I'm, because at this point we were already pretty much in love with each other. I, you know, I, he, he couldn't escape in, in some ways. I already got him, it was sort of like, uh, 
Yeah, but anyway, he, there was no running away. So at this point, it was just like him just sort of reconciling what, what the fuck did I get myself into? Um, sorry, can I say that? I'm sorry. Um, uh, so so the, the, the Smurf thing was a, like it was a big deal for him because this was just a lot for him to wrap his head around. But we overcame it, and then he ended up loving, not loving Smurfs, tolerating Smurfs. Um, and we even went to Belgium. We went to Belgium to like a Smurf fair. Uh, he t we went together, and, and it was amazing. And, uh, and we went all the way to Belgium for, for Smurfs. Um, and, I, and I walked in, and it's basically, it's, it's, it's like an indoor flea market, but all they sold was Smurfs. And like, I was like, it was like Christmas morning when I was 10 years old. I was walking around this place, this gymnasium, like my eyes were wide open and all Kit was doing was walking around following me taking pictures. And there's all these pictures of me, like I didn't even know he was taking pictures, but he was just so enamored by what was happening. Anyway, yeah, I collect Smurfs. So you talk a lot about going to Belgium and things and, and to Knobles, and so yeah. I think one of the favorite things is you docu documented a lot of your trips and your vacations and things that you would take. Um, obviously, I was partial to the ones where you come to central Pennsylvania. Um, and so you always talk about how you would rent the car and you'd come down here to visit Kit's parents, yep. which happened to live in Millersburg, where I live, so that was kind of the unique um, bridge between us. And um, that's, I mean, that's the connection we should point out, is right. that Alex reached out to me uh, through social media, I think Facebook yeah, maybe, Facebook, yeah. um, and he told me that him and his partner lived in Millersburg, and right there I was like, "What? There is a <laughs> there's a gay couple in Millersburg?" <laughs> I, well, I mean, I didn't even know there was a gay person, in, let alone a gay couple and a young gay couple. So that floored me right off the bat, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And I was like, and then I was like, "Oh, if only Kip were here, he would have a, you know a reaction to that too." And it turns out. We might have crossed paths. I mean, because I, we were going back and forth to Millersburg for 13 years, and you've lived there uh, for a decade, right? Well, Chris has. Yeah, Chris has. Spouse, yeah, yeah, your husband. Um, but so that was my first reaction. Then you, you, you told me how what the book meant to you, and there was just something really beautiful about the idea that there was a, a gay person in Millersburg who read this story and was touched by this yeah. story, and I'm so grateful to you for, for reaching out because, you know, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, it's, Millersburg was not the easiest place to grow up gay um, for Kit. It was something yeah. that was, was tough. It was just a tough thing. I mean, for anybody growing up in a small town, it's a tough thing when you're gay, especially in the 80s. Um, so, uh, you know, it meant, it meant a lot. It meant, yeah. means a lot to be here today, too, for, for that reason. So talk a little about culture. You know, you grew up in Jersey, you know, he grew up in, in Millersburg, mm -hmm. and so talk about that culture shock of kind of you coming to this area and understanding his world from here before he went up to New York City, and um, you know, what do you think it was like for you growing up gay in New Jersey compared to him in uh, Millersburg? Um, I think in some ways the, sim the experiences were similar. You know, yeah. we, we felt alone, we felt um, isolated, and uh, you know, like we didn't belong. I mean, uh, you know, but n even non-gay LGBT people feel that too. But I mean, I think that was one of the shared things. But Kit had prepared me for Millersburg. Like, like he prepared me for its smallness. Um, he would constantly tell, remind me that there is not even a single traffic light 
in Millersburg, which sort of set a picture for me that this was going to be a small place. But I like small towns. I liked, I liked driving into Millersburg and seeing the main street. Um, and the first time I actually went there was for Christmas. So it was beautiful. It was like the, squa the town square was a Christmas tree. And it looked like Mayberry. Um, and then there's a river you know, nearby. It was just, I loved everything, I loved everything about it. Um, mostly I loved Kit's relationship to the town and watching him walk around the town and show me things, uh, touchstones from his childhood, things that meant something to him. Um, the high school he went to. Uh, um, and then I, honestly, and I, I mentioned this in the book, some of my favorite memories of him are coming to Millersburg for Christmas and spending a week in Millersburg with his family. Um, those are some of my happiest, happiest memories. Um, and it, it's hard to go back now. Uh, but, it, but I do. Yeah. So looking back at this experience that you, that you went through, um, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? With the, writing the book? With, with the book, you know, with the, with, you know, navigating cancer and being a caregiver, any of those things? Or? No, I actually, I don't have any, I don't have any re regrets. Um, you know, the, the book, I, I didn't know how the book was gonna be received. I didn't know how, I didn't actually ha read the book through, through to the, you know, from beginning to end until I did the audio book. And I did, I did the audio book and it was the first time, and it was before the book came out, the first time I actually sat down and read the book from cover to cover. And it was over a period of three days because, you know, when you do an audio book, it's a lot of starting and stopping and repeating and, and all of this stuff. Um, but uh, when I did the audiobook, it was the first time that I read the book cover to cover, and, and I was really afraid be, that I was going to read it and I have regrets, or I was going to read it and be like, oh, this, this is terrible. Like, this book is, this is terrible. I'm not, how can I put this book out into the world? And, I, and I'm generally an insecure person. I think everything I do is crap initially. Like, I just, this is my instinct is to think it, it's not good. Um, but I walked away for, after doing the audiobook feeling really proud of, of the book that I wrote and, and not having any regrets. Um, and that was a, a nice place to be. That's a great way to be. Um, so the, one of the exciting things when I was done reading the book, I was kind of like Googling it, and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to try to find you. And then one of the cool things I stumbled upon was the fact that they're turning it into, um, a, you're working on turning it into a movie. And so can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, Jim, who's involved with Jim Parsons, you guys know who Jim Parsons is from the Big Bang Theory? So he's someone who I've, my path has crossed many times while I was working at TV Line. So we knew each other, I wouldn't say as friends, but definitely, you know, we were acquaintances and had a, had a friendly rapport whenever I would interview him. Um, and uh, he did my, he moderated my Q&A in Los Angeles when the book first came out. I reached out to him, I sent him the book, and I was like, you know, would any chance you'd be willing to read this and maybe moderate the Q&A? And, and before he even read the book, he said, absolutely, I'm, I'm totally gonna be there, I'm gonna do it. And then he read the book and, and was moved by it, felt a lot of connections between me and Kit and him and his husband, Todd. Uh, and it was at the book signing when they had meant, first mentioned to me that they were interested because they have a production company in optioning the story. Um, and I, I didn't think too much of it. I didn't know if they were just being nice. And then a, a couple months after that, they formally reached out and said that they were interested in turning this into a movie. And, um, and now it's, it's being developed and, you know, 
we're in the, the, the process of finding a director and someone to adapt the, the book into a screenplay. Um, Jim would play me in the movie, which is totally weird and surreal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm very optimistic it, it'll happen. Um, and yeah, and it's terrifying though. It's terrifying, the idea, because I had a lot of control over the book. I had, I had total control over the book. Uh, I'm involved in the movie, I'm an executive producer, and you better believe I'm, I'm going to be diligent in, in making sure that the, 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 the book is accurately um, uh, translated into the movie. But um, it's just, it, at, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, I'm not gonna have total control, and that's a little, it's a little terrifying. Um, at the same time, more people are gonna get exposed to the story um, where people are going to get introduced to Kit, um, and that's really exciting. And I think one of the things that draws you into the book, and I mean, with any book that you read, it's all about relatable characters. And I think you know Jim Parsons recognized that when he read it, and and I think my you know Chris and I, we felt like we could relate into a lot of different things, not just the location or being a gay couple, but just you know all the different kinds of things that you share. And I really found that interesting, and is and. Cool. Um, I think one of the coolest things about the book is that you know you talk about the death, and then you move into this beautiful epilogue, which I think is well. Like, don't spoil it oh, for everybody. Well, it's, it's beautiful. It's about what it's, you're we like. feels weird saying that, like given Sorry. the title of the book. But literally, <laughs> so the end. The end of the book is a. It, it's a. It's a spoiler and it's stuff to talk about. Right. It's fine. I, I. I mean, at this point, the book's been out for a year. You can right. all totally ask about it. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but it, 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 when the book first came out, I didn't want to talk about the ending because it, there is a little—it's a little yeah. bit of a twist ending, and yeah. and and people, um, everybody has a lot of people have their own t inter interpretation of what that ending means. Sure. But anyway, go ahead with your question. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, it's just it's kind of like the, your your plan future for what you know the alternate may look like. Yeah. And so talk about currently about what is your, your planned future and where has life taken you? You've written the book, you're now looking at turning that into a movie. I mean, where's your, your future headed after this? Um, after I, you know, I, I, to, to be determined, um, you know, because the, the movie is being developed and I'm still promoting the book, I feel in many ways like Kit is still alive um, and uh, and in, in some ways, I, I like I like that. Like I haven't re really had to let him go completely because he's still here. I'm still talking about him, um, and so in some ways, it's been hard to 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 move on because you know I'm still stuck in the past in yeah. in many ways. But um, but I'm I'm. You know, I'm doing okay. Like I, I, you know, I have a great therapist, and um, you know, grief is a is a, a funny thing. You know, you think you think you're doing good, and then it catches up with you again. But um, you know, I'm taking one day at a time. Excellent. Well, I think we'll end our formal. Yeah, we're going to go to the audience Q&A now. So if you have a question, uh, please raise your hand, and I will come to you with a microphone. Um, I also have a question, so I can start us off. So Next time I, do, next time I come here to do this, I'm going to insist that everybody come and sit down here. <laughs> That's going to be the rule next time. Everybody's going to have to come down here. Because it's, like, it's, so it's like we've got 
we've got the mezzanine. We've yeah, got, mezzanine, uh, yeah. is this the mezzanine? Yeah. yeah. These are the cheap seats up there. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, I thought you had a, a really refreshingly honest answer about how you did not like achieve catharsis when writing the book, which yeah. I go to a lot of book talks and that's like oftentimes I hear the opposite, which is like, oh, writing the, writing the book was, was some sort of catharsis uh, when, when working through grief. Um, and I guess my question is, the book's been out for a year. You, we were talking earlier, you said this is like your eighth or ninth uh, stop yeah. uh, at, at a bookstore. Um, now that the book is out there in the public and you are having these opportunities to connect with, with us and, and Alex, um, is there some catharsis there as far as, now that it's out in the public, connecting with yes. people and other people identifying maybe with your situation and, and you hearing their stories and you able to kind of talk through that? Does that question make sense? Yeah, uh, sort of. But I mean, I, I'll expand on it because abs absolutely. I mean, I, I, every day I get a, a message like the one you sent. Um, not that yours wasn't special, but I got a lot like that. So, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so yours wasn't actually that special. No, uh, no, it was totally special. But at least once a day, I, I hear from someone yeah. who I've never met before who's, yeah. who talks to me about how they finished the book a month ago and they still think about it every day. Like it, the, the way it's touched them, the way it's moved them to make changes in their life, in their own relationships. That's incredibly powerful, you know, for me and, and healing for me to read that and to hear that. It makes me feel like the, the hell that Kit went through for 11 months with this cancer and it was hell. Um, that, that it's having some kind of positive impact, like some good is coming out of this terrible experience. Um, the sucky thing is that he's not here to appreciate that and to take that in, you know, um, I'm, I'm doing it for both of us. But that, that's hearing from people like that, and, and it's not just gay people, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's incredibly mixed and um, because people see this as just a love story. Like they, they, at its core it is, it's a love story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what people I feel like are connecting to. Thank you. Any other questions from the audience? Questions, come on, you guys have questions. It's not really a question, it's a statement. My husband went through bad stuff too. And one of the things that you, you said about the cat my cat used to just lay in his lap the whole time. Mm. And it was so nice that, that somebody else had the same experience. And he had a weird sense of humor, too. <laughs> he made um, a folder upon the death of him and all the things I should do. But then when you turn the page at the end, on the death of me, what my people should do. Oh my god, I love it. I know, me too. He sounds anyway, awesome. You were, you were great. I really. I was really worried about coming tonight, but you were great. Oh, thank you very much. You know, the, the thing about Mr. Scooch was that Mr. Scooch and Kit had a very special relationship. The cat was, he got the cat for me for my birthday, but it, it, it was all about the two of them. I was the third wheel in that relationship um, from day one. But Mr. Scooch, Mr. Scooch loved to hop on our bed um, wouldn't sleep with us, but loved to like just curl up and then the second it was time for bedtime, he would jump off. But well, when Kit got sick, I got a special foam for the bed because I knew he'd be spending a lot of time in the bed. And, and for whatever reason, Mr. Scooch did not like this foam. So he stopped coming up on the bed the entire time when Kit was sick. 
until an hour before Kit died. Randomly jumps on the bed, plops himself right down next, on, on top of Kit. And it, it took my, I, 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 went, I was looking at his parents, I'm like, am I seeing this ha happen? We knew the end was near, and I couldn't believe that this moment was happening. Um, and I took a picture of it with my, with my phone. And I didn't, you know, and in the photo, all you really see is you see Mr. Scooch, then you see part of my leg, and then you see part of Kit's torso with his shirt. Like, you don't see any faces. Um, because I knew I probably wouldn't believe that it had happened unless I take this picture, or I'll, I'll, maybe I hallucinated it or whatever. But then after about 20 minutes, Mr. Scooch jumps off the bed, and then, you know, 40 minutes later, a kid died, and it was just, I don't know, I don't believe generally in, in stuff like that, um, but that, something was going on there. You know, something that Mr. Scooch knew something was going on. Any other questions or comments from the audience? I wanna say thank you all for coming out before, before we wrap up. It means a lot to me, I really appreciate it. This bookstore is beautiful. It really is, it's gorgeous. Um, uh, does everybody spend a lot of time here? You guys are like regulars? It's like beautiful. It's, it's like one of the be most beautiful independent bookstores I've ever seen. Um, and, and they have a, a fountain soda machine. Hey, can I just tell you, this is I, the books are beautiful, but the fountain soda machine is the best thing about this place. Because uh, I'm obsessed with Diet Coke, as you, if you read the book. Not the rare book room. It's the, no, it's, it's the not fountain. the great. It's okay. the, and it's like really good di Diet Coke. I'm obsessed with Diet Coke. It's a problem I know. <laughs> it's my one vice. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Um, I don't really drink much alcohol. But Diet Coke is my thing. And then to walk in and see this fountain soda machine. Anyway, I'm sorry. I love this place. <laughs> On that note, I think we're going to wrap up. If there's no other questions, we're going to go into a book signing. Can we uh, give a round of applause for Michael and Alex? Oh. And thank you so much, Alex, for doing this, for being a, a great moderator and for making this all happen. Well, it was great, and I just have to say, the book is super great. It's super fun. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry. But mostly you'll fall in love with, with, with Michael and with Kit. And uh, I think it'll help. I think as we all try to understand our own relationships with people and our spouses, et cetera, I think it'll help you be introspective and learn more about yourself in the process. Oh, that's nice. Thank Great. you. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you.